Hey everyone, welcome to the Planned, Prepped, and Productive Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Spackman, registered dietitian and mom of three, and believer in peaceful, easy, but also homemade family meals. On this podcast, I'm helping moms master mealtime and become the boss of their kitchen. As you do this, you'll find more peaceful meals through prep and planning. We will do this by focusing on four pillars for making mealtime manageable, doable, and if you give it a chance, maybe even fun. The four pillars are mindset and self-care, planning and organization, meal planning, and meal prep. This is episode number 97, items you need for a well-stocked kitchen. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast today. I'm excited to chat about this. So as a little intro slash caveat, this was supposed to be an episode about items you need for a minimalist kitchen. But as I started writing out all of the things that I have in my kitchen that I feel like are needs, it wasn't feeling very minimalist uh, because this is a big list. Um, but I thought that brought up kind of an interesting thing that happens in the kitchen is that it seems like every kitchen that I go to is like cluttered, but doesn't necessarily have everything that you need. So first, I just want to kind of talk about clutter in the kitchen and why is it that the kitchen is the absolute hardest place to keep clutter free? So there's obviously a lot of reasons for this. First off, the kitchen tends to be the hub of the house. So in addition to the normal kitchen things that collect, um, In the kitchen, there's also school papers and odds and ends and trinkets that haven't found their way home yet, etc. The kitchen is also the workhorse of the house. Most of the other rooms aren't being used all day, every day, except, you know, maybe the bathroom. But even the bathroom doesn't require you to get everything out and dirty over and over again. So usually when you're decluttering a room, it can be really easy to sort through what you use and what you don't. But in the kitchen, that becomes really tricky because items in a kitchen are used so frequently, right? A lot of these items are being used every single day. And so then when there's an item that you use once a month or once every few months, it can be difficult to decide whether or not that's something that you need to keep or not. It's also tricky. And this is what I was kind of alluding to before is that even when it feels like your kitchen is bursting at the seams, you somehow don't have everything you need for your kitchen to be functional, which is so frustrating that you're like full of stuff, but you don't have what you actually need. So what do you need? What don't you need? What what things could you store somewhere different? What things could you get rid of altogether? What things should you splurge on so they last and last? And what things can you grab for cheap? Well, That's what this episode became. So it was supposed to be an episode about minimalism in the kitchen, but instead it's become what you need for a well-stocked kitchen. And I'll also try and share my favorite versions of these items as we talk about them so that you can start to curate a kitchen that you love that will stay as clutter-free as possible while also being super functional. So let's dive in. Um, I'm going to do this in categories as much as possible, um, but buck up because like I said, this is a long list. So let's talk about appliances. So this is one area where I feel like people tend to go a little bit overboard and get a lot more than they need. And I'm going to talk about some appliances at the end of the episode that I feel like are more luxury, not necessary clutter causing um, appliances. However, Everything that I talk about in this episode is actually really personal, um, 
which is how clutter and decluttering is in general, right? I can't actually tell you what items you're going to use every single day. I can only tell you what items I'm using every single day. If you are not someone that cooks a lot, this is going to be a really great place to start out, especially if you're feeling overwhelmed, like you need to get all the things and all the latest gadgets in order to be able to feed your family. Um, But like I said, if I say an item that I feel like is a waste of time in my kitchen or a waste of space, that doesn't mean it's necessarily the same for you, but it might be something to think about and consider. So I just think that that's kind of the whole point of what we're trying to create here is an intentional kitchen. And I've talked about this on the podcast before that I don't actually love the word minimalism, though I talk about it fairly regularly. I really prefer the word intentionalism because we really don't have to be minimal all the time, um, but we should try to be intentional and that will make you feel like you are getting what you need to out of your kitchen. Okay. So with that, appliances is what we're starting with. So the first appliance that I think is a must have in your kitchen is a blender. My blender tends to be used several times a week because smoothies are my go-to breakfast. Um, and blenders also have other awesome uses as well, but generally it's my smoothie maker. So if you're not a smoothie lover, this is probably something that maybe you could get by without. One thing that I love about the blender that is my favorite, which is the Ninja blender. It's fairly inexpensive. And when I say that, I mean, it's not like blend tech level price, but it is going to run you close to a hundred dollars. Um, anyway, the Ninja blender I can use like as a food processor because of the way it's designed. So I actually don't really actually as of right now, my food processor is broken. So I haven't owned a food processor in several months and I've been just fine because my blender works. So if you can make one appliance do multiple jobs, that's a sign that it's a better appliance and something that you might want to keep in your kitchen. So blender, uh, mixer is also essential. My go-to is the Bosch mixer, um, because that's what I was given when I was married and it's amazing and I love it. And it's really, really great, especially for like big batches of bread and things. Cause it has a nice big bowl. I find that it's a little bit tricky to use for smaller batches of things. And I prefer a KitchenAid for that. However, I, we're talking about keeping things manageable, right? And I don't feel like I need a KitchenAid and a Bosch mixer. So choose your preference and, but a mixer is really, really helpful. Um, and you, I wouldn't say that you need a hand mixer. I do have one. It can be useful at times, but if you have a mixer, you really don't need a hand mixer. So that could be an area that you could let go. All right. Another appliance that you need is, in my opinion, a slow cooker. I feel like a slow cooker is the most versatile tool um, that I find myself using all the time. However, um, depending on your lifestyle, you might prefer an instant pot. Right now, I actually have an Instant Pot that doubles as a slow cooker. Um, I never, ever use the Instant Pot technology, so I could have gotten by with just a regular slow cooker just fine. But if you are the type of person that needs your food to cook more quickly, a pressure cooker or Instant Pot might be a better choice for you. Um, For me, when I'm at home, I actually prefer that a slow cooker is a little bit more hands-off. Instant Pot is not bad, but it does require a little bit more hands-on time. So 
just depending what kind of time you have can help you make that decision of which one of those things you're going to need. Obviously, your well-stocked kitchen needs a stove and an oven and a refrigerator. Um, I actually would put a microwave as optional, although you probably have one because they come with your house. But I really don't find myself using my microwave all that often because I prefer food reheated on the stove and even things like popcorn we like to cook on the stove. So honestly, I feel like my um, microwave is like a glorified butter melter, like butter melter or cookie heater upper. So that's what I'm using (laughs) my microwave for. But like I said, something that might not be as necessary as you think it is, but you're probably going to have one because they're in kitchens. Okay. More appliances. I think that a griddle is a necessity because we really like making big batches of things like French toast, pancakes, etc. This is another one of those that it might not be necessary for you. If you don't have a large group to cook for, you can easily cook French toast or pancakes on any skillet on the stove um, or if those things aren't your favorite. But for a big family, I think that a griddle is a necessity. Um a toaster. I actually was talking to my husband about this and I was like, do we really need a toaster? (laughs) Um, I actually, I don't, I don't do toast a lot. So this is another one of those times where rather than just assuming that you need it, maybe consider your habits, but we do actually use our toaster for our kids fairly often, even though I don't use it a lot. Um, the last one, and I'm putting this as optional, uh, because, I don't actually find myself grabbing this all the time, but it's really convenient when I do use it. And that's an immersion blender. So if you're not familiar with an immersion blender, it's a blender that you actually stick into your food. So you can use this to make like a pureed soup or um, it can even whip cream. You could probably do like mashed potatoes with it if you wanted. So this is just really nice if you do like those pureed type things and you don't want to have to transfer that hot liquid to the blender, which ends up being like crazy scary. So I find it really useful. But again, that's totally going to depend on your food preferences if that is something that you need in your stocked kitchen or not. All right. So that's it for appliances that I really find necessary. At the end, like I said, we'll go over some that are less necessary. Those are kind of the workhorses in my kitchen as far as appliances go. All right. So let's talk pots and pans. And this is something that I actually just barely went through my pots and pans because I had way too many. I hated most of them. So I got rid of a lot of them. And I really considered what ones am I going to all the time um, and tried to get a quality version of those. So we'll talk a little bit about what I consider quality versions of pots and pans. And that doesn't actually mean expensive, um, but there's just certain materials that last better than others. So up until now, I had nonstick pots and pans. um, And those, they just honestly are like flaking within a year or even earlier sometimes. And so they're just not built to last, but you can get really inexpensive pots and pans that will last. So I just want to talk about the specific like shapes and sizes that you need to have. And it's really not as many as you think. So, um, I suggest having a soup pot, which is going to be probably like six to eight quarts, or if you've got a big family and like batch cooking, even up to 12 quarts. So I actually have both. I have a smaller six quart soup pot and I have a big 12 quart soup pot so that I can make big batches. I don't 
honestly probably need both. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about my soup pot and what else I use it for to see that I am actually multitasking here, but you could get by with just one of these, um, just fine. Okay. So I have the two soup pots. One of my soup pots is an enameled cast iron pot, which is something that I would suggest in addition to making soups. It's so easy to clean because of that enamel and it maintains heat really well because it's cast iron and you can use it to make like no need breads and more rustic artisan breads in your oven. So this pot actually serves two purposes, which makes it totally worth it to me to have, even though it's technically a duplicate of my larger soup pot. Um, and I would suggest that I would suggest getting a variety of types of pans, um, pots and pans rather than just buying like a set because there's different purposes for each of them. And then you can kind of have a variety of materials to use when they're most appropriate. So that's your soup pot. Okay. And now we're going to talk about the saucepans and what I would consider good quality. So there are several materials that will work, but my favorite material to purchase is stainless steel saucepans. And the reason for that is that they are inexpensive but they are super durable and you can like clean the heck out of them. Like you can use steel wool on them. So if you burn them, um, you can just get that those stains off, which makes it so that they're going to last a lot longer. You're not, wor- you're not worried about like taking enamels off or scratching the nonstick coating. Um, so they're an inexpensive pot that's going to last a long time. I do suggest having one nonstick like skillet. I don't really feel like you need a nonstick saucepan, which I just have two stainless steel saucepans um, in two different sizes, and that's plenty for me. And I don't feel like those need to be nonstick. And the reason for that is when you consider what you're cooking in there, a saucepan is typically for things like sauces. They're not generally for like the really sticky things. Uh, where your skillets are going to be where you cook like your meats and stuff. And so I find that those things tend to stick more. But actually, I like um, having stainless steel skillets as well. And I'll talk to you about that. But before that, let's talk about having a nonstick skillet. So the one I have is a granite coated one. And I just find that it's a little bit more durable than like the Teflon. And This is literally, I call it my egg pan because that's what it's for. It's for eggs. (laughs) Eggs is like the only thing that I make that really requires a nonstick pan. Um, And in fact, I don't really prefer the way that nonstick pans cook generally. I prefer the way that stainless steel cooks. And to be honest, you can, you can get by without having a nonstick pan. I can make eggs in a stainless steel pan that don't stick. Um, but it requires a lot of oil and that's not my preference. So I prefer to just have a nonstick pan to cook eggs and that's its purpose. So, um, and I have, I think a 10 inch pan for eggs because again, big family, but you could get by with a smaller one if it's just you. Okay. So one nonstick skillet, and then I have, uh, several stainless steel skillets as well in different sizes. So I have, Um, like a smaller eight inch one, a 10 inch one. And I even have like a deep one with like four inch tall sides um, where I do a lot of cooking of meat, et cetera. So that's kind of it for my collection of pans. So it's not very big to be honest, because you really 
don't need a lot. Like you only have four spots to cook on your stove. So you're not going to be cooking more than four things at once anyway. So you really don't need like this huge giant collection. Just consider what you're making regularly and try to have just the right amount. Okay. So moving on from like pots and pans for the stove to things that you bake with. I love half sheet pans. And again, I don't go for the nonstick versions of these. I just like the regular like commercial half sheet pans. And those are super durable as well. I have some from when I got married. They look disgusting, but they function really well still. Um, And I have some newer ones as well. Um, But like the thinner nonstick cookie sheets usually just don't last as well. So you really don't need to really, and you really don't need the nonstick ability with that kind of pan anyway. In fact, I always use a silicone baking mat, which is another thing on the list we'll get to, but, um, so that sticking is not an issue and I can have that more durable material in my pan. That's going to last a long time. Okay, so we've got half sheet pans, and then you will also want either glass or ceramic casserole dishes. I think you need two, one nine by nine and one nine by 13. Um, And again, you could use metal, but I prefer the glass and ceramic ones, and I don't think you need both. So I have one nine by nine, one nine by 13, um, and mine are ceramic. So I'm going to just go quickly through the rest of the pans that I have. Uh, These are not special, but... These are more specialty type pans. So I have muffin tins, bread pans, round cake pans, a spring form pan if you want to make cheesecake, but it's kind of a one, that's its one job. So if you're not going to make cheesecakes, don't need a spring form pan Um, and a glass pie tin. So that should kind of cover your needs for baking right there as far as the pans go. But let's move into the next category, which is baking and measuring, um, where we're going to talk about kind of those other supplies that you're going to need. So for baking and measuring, you are going to need measuring cups and spoons. Obviously, this is an area where I recommend getting metal ones because of longevity. They're going to last a lot longer if you get metal. Um, I also suggest two glass liquid measuring cups in a two cup size and a four cup size. I love having stacking mixing bowls with lids. So you need mixing bowls, obviously. And I just have a set that's metal. I actually have two sets. I have a set that's metal and a set that's glass. The glass ones are nice for if I like need to put it in the microwave or anything. Um, but I love that they stack so that they're not taking up a lot of space. And I love the lids so that they can double as storage. Or if I'm making a salad or something, I can easily transport that. So look for versions with lids. You're obviously going to need oven mitts. Um, The silicone baking mats that I talked about are really, really helpful so that you don't have to worry about things sticking. A rolling pin um, and a couple optional things that I thought of in the baking category are cooling racks. You really don't absolutely need a cooling rack. You can cool your cookies on the counter, um, but I find them actually really useful. I use them if I'm like frying something to put the um, fried things on top of to drain so that they really drain out rather than just putting them on paper towels. I also have even used them as like a roasting rack by putting it on top of a half sheet pan and roasting like a chicken on top. So they actually are fairly functional pieces that might be worth having and they're cheap and small. They don't take up a ton of space. 
Another thing that I love having in my kitchen that I would consider optional is a kitchen scale. And this is probably more important for like bakers, um, especially if you want to get really into like bread making a lot of the more I don't, serious recipes, I guess, um, measure in grams. Um, so you would need a kitchen scale to do it that way. It's just more accurate. Again, if you know that you are never going to be getting into that level of baking, you probably don't need a kitchen scale, but that's why it's on the optional list. <laughs> okay. So that's about it when it comes to baking. Oh, I forgot one thing. Obviously you're going to need some mixing utensils, right? So my very favorite mixing utensils are a classic wooden spoon, um, which you do need a wooden spoon, but you don't need 10 wooden spoons. And this is an area where I find that people really tend to get like an excess. I think it's because it's so cheap and maybe you feel like you're always cleaning them, but like you really don't need a ton. So maybe like two or three wooden spoons. And then I love silicone spatulas. And the reason I love them is because they're heat proof. So you can use them in your pocket without ruining them. Um, and they're also flexible so they can do a lot of things that like a wooden spoon can. Uh, the last thing that you will need for mixing is a whisk. Um, and I don't have any fancy tips for whisk, just a good size metal whisk. And I honestly, this is another one of the things I only have one and it's fine. <laughs> I've had more in the past and as they've broken, I just haven't replaced them because I have one good quality one and that's all I really need. Okay, so let's talk about food storage, like items to store food in. So this is an area where I find like mega, mega clutter around your Tupperwares, right? Usually you have about like 18,000 different sizes of Tupperwares and the lids never match and you can't find the one that you want or anyway, you, you like open the drawer and they all topple out. Like this is not usually an area of great organization in kitchens. So I'm just going to tell you that I do not actually have a lot of food storage containers, at least not a wide variety of them. I have a good number of them um, because I do meal prep and these are very, very important for someone who meal preps. Um, but I'm just going to tell you the two kinds that I have. So I have glass Tupperware which is really, really great for maintaining the quality of your food and um, just being a little bit sturdier than plastic. So I have one set of glass Tupperware and they are all the same size. Um, and I just store those with the lids on. So they do take up a bit more space because of that, but it's also very organized. I'm able to easily stack them. And the other storage item I use are disposable plastic restaurant containers. So I'll provide a link to these. They'll look familiar. Even if you haven't purchased them, they'll look familiar when you see them. And the reason I use these is because they're cheap and they stack into each other perfectly. Even the smaller sizes stack into the medium sizes, stack into the bigger sizes. And so I'm able to fit so many of these containers into a small space without them toppling over. So that's why they are my Tupperware of choice. Um, I do find myself going through them fairly often. I don't treat them as disposable. I put them in the dishwasher and they're fine, but they do break fairly frequently because they're thin and they're not really 
designed for like longevity, which is why I also have my glass Tupperware, which is designed more for longevity. But I find these plastic restaurant containers really, really solve that Tupperware fiasco problem perfectly. And I don't even have like normal Tupperware anymore. Those are the only two things that I have. It makes a big difference. Okay. So we've gotten through storage. Now this is kind of the long area (laughs) um, that I am going to just try and get through as quickly as I can. So this is the knives and tools. So this is kind of like the miscellaneous what's left. Um, And if I don't have anything all that special to say about it, I'm just going to kind of breeze through and then I'll give a little bit of commentary on some of the more important things. So you will need a box grater, self-explanatory, a vegetable peeler. And I would suggest a pretty good quality vegetable peeler. Um, Nothing specific, but you want a nice, good, sharp veggie pillar. Um, you will want a chef's knife, like an eight or a 10 inch chef's knife. And honestly, this is another one of those things. I have one good knife. I do not have a set of knives because I don't need a set of knives. I need one good knife and I just wash it when I need it. Um, the only frustrating thing is when my husband and I are trying to cook at the same time. So I have thought about getting a second one for that reason and that reason alone, but you really don't need a whole knife block of knives. Um, Also a paring knife, a paring knife is like the little, uh, probably four to six inch knife that's thinner. Um, this is nice for more detailed work, but honestly, I still reach for my chef's knife like 85% of the time. And even half the time I'm using the paring knife, it's because the chef's knife is dirty or my husband's using it. So I would even potentially put the paring knife on like maybe optional, but if you're only going to have one knife, you can have a paring knife too, right? (laughs) Okay. And I lied. There is a third knife that I do strongly recommend. And that is a bread knife, a nice sharp bread knife, a kind of optional knife. But if you find yourself eating steak a lot, you might want a set of steak knives. Um, otherwise you can like share the paring knife or, you know, if you need to do it just like every once in a while, but, um, I do have a set of steak knives and think that those are worth having as well. All right. This item, this next item is kind of specialty. So you may have never heard of it, but it's called a microplane grater. And I, I'll try and put a picture in the show notes, but, um, it's like to grate really, really fine things. So this is what I use to like grate Parmesan cheese. You can even grate garlic on it. I use it to zest lemons, So it is invaluable in my kitchen and I love it. Uh, You will need a can opener. You will need quality cutting boards. You will need kitchen shears and kitchen shears are for food. And I feel like people always look at me when I like get them out and start cutting up my kids pasta or cutting chicken or something, but that's what they're for. (laughs) So, and they're so useful. Like how many things would be so much easier to cut with scissors than they are with a knife. So use your kitchen shears, have them and use them. Um, a meat thermometer is essential for cooking your meat to a temperature that will still taste good and is not like cooked into oblivion, um, but is also safe. I have a pastry brush on here and I have that as optional, but I do find that I use a pastry brush a lot to brush like butter onto garlic rolls or pretzels or those kinds of things. But this is something that you could get by with a spoon or something, and it just won't be quite as convenient. But if you have the space, if 
you bake a lot, pastry brush might be useful. Um, an ice cream scoop because it has one purpose, but who wants to scoop their ice cream without an ice cream scoop? <laughs> um, you'll also need tongs and serving spoons. And this is again, another one of those areas that can get out of hand. You need like one or two sets of tongs. I would say like three serving spoons and a ladle, which I would classify as a little bit different than a serving spoon. And honestly, you're probably good there. Um, a colander, I would say is necessary for making things like pasta and in addition to a colander, I also frequently use a fine mesh strainer. So the difference between those is that the colander is plastic or metal and it's like bigger with bigger holes and the fine mesh strainer usually has a handle and it's really, really fine. I think you can also call them like a sieve. Anyway, I find myself using that when I need to get like really fine things out like seeds if I'm trying to, you know... Uh, make like a raspberry puree or something, then I use my mesh strainer. So I find both of those really useful. All right. And so we are almost done here. The last thing I wanted to talk about is what you're going to need for serving. So we have the obvious, which is silverware, salad plates, dinner plates, bowls, and cups. Um, I did want to share the ones that I have because I really, really like them. So I have um, my salad and dinner plates and bowls are all from Ikea and they are are the Off-Tast series. They are so cheap, like a plate is less than a dollar and they're so thin. So I can stack up like so many of these without taking up a ton of space and they always have them. So when I've broken too many, I just go replenish them. I will say that they I used to think that they didn't break easily, but I don't know if our kit, I don't know if our floor in our new house is harder or what, but we have broken a fair number of these. So if you have kids, you can always do like a resin or plastic, but I do like to have like a nice set of dishes and these look really nice, but they're also really cheap. So I really like the off test set. Um, as far as cups go, because I do not want glass cups, I've learned my lesson there. Um, I really like having stainless steel cups. So I learned this from a friend when I was at her house and I just thought it was brilliant with kids because you want something that looks nicer than like plastic cups. Um, but you know that they're just going to break the plastic cup. So I have stainless steel cups and I have a set in 16 ounces for the adults and then a set that are like eight ounces for the kids. And I love them. So I'll drop links to those in the show notes if you are interested, but that's kind of why I wanted to go over the serving items because it's obvious that you need them, but I did want to share my favorites. Um, you will also want a pitcher because there's no other way to serve a drink. <laughs> um, and then the nice thing about those stacking glass bowls that I told you about is that they kind of double as my serving ware. So I use those to serve in as well. And they're just clear glass, which is really, really nice. Um, you could get like some platters, but I would say unless you plan on doing a lot of entertaining, that that's probably not necessary. The last thing I have for serving, which is not really considered a serving item, but it's something that I find myself reaching for all the time, are ceramic ramekins. So like the little 
bowls that you use to bake like a souffle or like if you've ever had a chocolate lava cake, that's what you bake them in. And the whole reason I bought these was to make chocolate lava cakes. I've got to be honest. However, I found them a really, really useful serving item because they're small and perfect for like any bar type of dinner. So if you're having like a taco bar or a French toast bar or um, anything that just has a lot of smaller parts, these ramekins are perfect for serving them. So again, I love an item that comes in useful for many different things. I threw it on there. It's optional, obviously, but something that I find really useful. Okay, so that was a lot, but I hope that you got thinking about maybe some things that you have too many of, or you had an aha moment of like, oh yeah, that would be really useful to grab something like that. And you can go and start to curate the kitchen that you will want to cook in. I just want to talk about a few more things. Some of them I have in my kitchen or some of them you might have in yours that I don't think you really need in your kitchen. But remember that we discussed that only you can really know what you need. But these are just things that I found were not necessary for me. So I purchased a pasta maker because making pasta is so fun. And I still really like it. And I still think it tastes amazing. And the pasta maker is in the pile of things to get rid of because it just... I've made pasta with my kids. It's not fun with kids. And if we do make pasta, it's like a once a year event. We tended to do it around Valentine's Day. And I just decided it wasn't worth it to me to hold on to that item for once a year. But your answer might be different. We also have an ice cream maker, which is another thing that is so fun when we do it. But it's like a once a year event. So um, in So I would probably just borrow an ice cream maker or um, use one of like the methods that don't require an ice cream maker if I do want to have that experience with my kids. So that's not something that I found that I need. Um, This isn't really as common anymore. So you probably don't have one, but bread maker is, but you don't need a bread maker. It's like a glorified oven. Like you don't need it to do it all for you. It's not that convenient. Um. You can make bread with a mixer, I promise. I might get a little bit of flack for this one, but I also think the air fryers are just having a big moment. And again, depending on your needs, you probably don't need an air fryer. I'm going to tell you the reason why I think, or you probably don't need an air fryer. Um, You, I really can't think of a lot of things that you can do in the air fryer that you couldn't do in the oven. Granted. Yes, maybe it tastes better. Yes, more convenient in a way. I know it's faster. So depending on the types of food you eat, maybe an air fryer is a need for you. But I think they're kind of just trendy and having a moment. That's just my opinion. All right. I'm sure there's about a thousand more things that I have in my kitchen that I don't need and that you have in yours that you don't need. But those were just a few that came to my mind that I wanted to share so that you could kind of start thinking about the things that you don't need in addition to the long list that I gave you of things that you might need or find useful at the very least. So anyway... Thanks for listening in, my friends. I hope that this list has been inspiring. It helps you on your journey to curate a kitchen that you love. All right. Next time on the podcast, we are having another guest. And this one is like gold, you guys. Like I learned so much. Um, it's my friend from Eating For You. And sh- 
It's my friend Sally Ann from Eating For You, and she is sharing all about mindful eating, which will be important for all of you. Like I promise it's incredibly useful information for anyone who feels like they're struggling with their relationship with food, anyone who feels like they're struggling to get food on the table, anyone who feels like they're struggling to know what to eat all the time. This episode really covers it all and it was mind-blowing. So I'm super excited to have that episode for you in two weeks. Until then, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for tuning in and I will catch you in two weeks. Happy planning, friends. 